just silly to argue over those things. They're always finding something wrong in the church. What's wrong? What's wrong here and there? You've got to stop that. This is all carnality. Paul has given you a picture of carnality. Jealousy, envy, strife, lack of growth. Here's how you solve that problem. You can be like Jesus and forgive. So if there's anything going on here, and I don't think there is that I know of, you know, but if you, you want to solve any problem, just be like Jesus and forgive. I'll tell you what. Now, I've got a few examples here. Forgiveness made the crippled man walk because Jesus forgave him. Remember they lowered him down through the ceiling? And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Forgiveness. God's forgiveness for men. Forgiveness melted an adulterous, adulteress's heart to the point that she washed Jesus' feet with her tear, tears and dried them with, with her hair. You know what that was? Forgiveness. Forgiveness is powerful. Forgiveness made, made people do something extravagant, like throw a party like Levi did for Jesus. Love. I mean, forgiveness. He was forgiven. And he threw a party over it. You know, that's why when the missionaries were telling us about the people that won here, that's why this congregation started clapping. Because the angels in heaven were in an uproar in heaven when those people were getting saved. At least this church could do is clap, you know, for people that got saved. Forgiveness made Mary break her expensive perfume, a spikenard, break the top over it, and pour it all over Jesus, which was worth a small fortune. It was spikenard in a, in a, uh, a bottle that had a, a closed top. You had to break off the tip. That means once you broke it off, it was worthless to sell. He, she poured her, her most expensive possession upon his head and on his feet. That's what forgiveness makes people do. Forgiveness made Zacchaeus return the money that he was cheated, the people paying taxes. I think it was fourfold. Forgiveness. He was forgiven by God, and he's going to forgive others. And he's going to return good for the evil he did. Forgiveness made the disciples able to cast out demons. Do you realize that? With amazing joy, I might add. They cast out demons with amazing joy. Listen to this. For the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils were subject to us in your name. Wow. Wow. See, us Christians are called to a higher standard. Maybe the world doesn't want anything to do with it, but we're called to a higher standing. We're spirit-filled with that, the spirit being the spirit of the Most High God. Verse 4 and 5. For one says, I am of Paul and another of Apollos. Are you not mere men? See, another carnal, carnal view of things. What is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even the Lord gave opportunity to each one. Listen, it's not the sower, it's not the reaper, it's not Paul, it's not Apollos, it's not Peter, it's not John. Who, who cares whose side you listen? We have one, one common denominator, and that's Jesus Christ, him alone. 
You're carnal. You're showing your carnality. Listen, hey, I'm going to follow this guy. I, no, I follow that guy. I follow this guy over here. No, no, no. You're following Jesus Christ. That's why when a lot of pastors fall, people fall. Because they put their eye on the master instead of the, or the pastor instead of the master. We've got to be careful. Second Timothy says, you know, this isn't easy to do. He said, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. Don't get entangled in the affairs of this world if you're in active duty. That's what he's saying. And if you think of a soldier on active duty, that means he's in Afghanistan, Iraq, or wherever the army has sent him. He's on duty. He's not getting entangled with mom just had a fight with the, her daughter. He's not entangled in those things. You know why? And Paul even tells us why. Because you want to please the one who called you as a soldier. That's why I wrote a book on that. And I'll tell you what, you know, I, I, it's, Christians today have forgot they're soldiers of Christ. And a soldier has a lifetime commitment to his, his uh, army, whichever army it is, like the United States Army. Listen, these carnal Christians, they're not on active duty. They don't care if they please their captain, Jesus, because they're carnal. Paul says, you'll suffer hardship. You'll suffer hardship. Here's the application. You will know if you are in a carnal church, if there's envying, strife, jealousy, and men and women entangling themselves in the stupid affairs of this world. This is what's happening in Corinth. They're, they're saying, listen, Paul led me to the Lord. No, Paul has led me to the Lord. No, Paul baptized me. Oh, Paul has baptized me. What happens to Aquila and Priscilla and all these other people? You know, Peter. Well, Peter baptized me. What, what good is that? It's, it's nothing, nothing good. It's about Jesus and about him alone. And we're going to see that as we move further on in this passage. So are we carnal? Or were we spiritual? Do we love one another? Do we walk in the Spirit instead of the flesh? If you walk in the Spirit, the Scriptures tell us in Galatians 5.17 that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Romans chapter one, chapter eight rather, one through six. I'll just kind of paraphrase for you. Verse one says, "There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus." It continues to say, "Those who walk after the, those who walk not after the flesh." So there's no condemnation to those who walk after, you know, who don't walk after the flesh. Who, I'm sorry, who walk not after the flesh. They walk in the spirit. In other words. You are free from the law of sin and death, says verse 2. The law is fulfilled in us who walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. The Mosaic law is fulfilled in, in us who walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. If you're walking in the Spirit, you're doing the things of the Spirit. I don't know if the Spirit would really want you to go to the gentleman's club up here, which is really pervert club. I don't think the spirit would want you to do that. It would be, it would be the devil spirit, right? A demonic spirit. 
carnal mindedness is death, says the scriptures. Spiritual mindedness, spiritual mindedness is life and peace. So to be carnal is death. There's a big difference between life and death. Spiritual minding, my mindedness brings life and peace. Verses 6 through 8, I planted, says Paul, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. And he goes, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? But those that ministered to you through whom you believed. They ministered Jesus to them. Who are we? We're nothing. We're one of those that plant. We're those that water. It's Jesus that's, that's, that's important here. We are not the one that saved you, Paul is saying. I didn't save you. Apollos didn't save you. We just were ministers through whom you believed. Jesus saved you, in other words. Who cares if Paul baptized you or led you to the Lord or Apollos did or Billy Graham did? It doesn't matter. There you did. They're just instruments. We're just instruments in God's hands. Verse 7. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one that waters is anything but God who causes the growth. You see how he may have clarified that now? You then neither, so then, neither the one who plants the seed, because that's the word of God, nor the one that waters the word of God is anything. You know, if you think you're anything, you're proud. And you know God will bring the, the hammer down on the proud eventually. It's God that causes the growth. Man, I, I'll tell you what. I've been trying to do, you know, get a green thumb at home. You know, I tried to grow cilantro, you know, from a seed. I found out I can't, I can't grow it. I mean, it won't grow for me. I, I watered it too much is what I figured, you know. I fi finally figured out that I watered it too much. But some of the other plants, like, like uh, parsley, and uh, oregano, man, I water, water them, man, and they're just blooming all over the place. I'm trying to get a green thumb, but it's God that causes it. God that causes the increase. I'm, even though I'm trying to make them grow, it's still God that brings the increase. Otherwise, it isn't going to grow. That seed falls in the ground, it dies, so it can bring life. In other words... Who do you think you are, Corinthians? It's not about me. It's not about Apollos. It's about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Who do you think you are? That's pride. God will eventually bring them down. It doesn't matter who you are. You're just instruments through whom people have believed. He who plants and he who waters are one. But each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Okay, you plant the seed of the Word of God. Someone comes along and waters it. That's reinforcing what you already told them. But both are necessary. See, if that cilantro didn't get any water, it would die. It will get too much water, it dies. But some other plants take more water. You might work a little harder for some people to get saved. Both need each other. We need each other. You, you know, Brett and the crew there went to Tanzania, Africa. You know, they, you know, this church helped 
support them in a, in a small way, you know, you are credited with that. When we get to the next verse, well, in this verse it says, each one of you will receive his, his reward according to your own labor. You didn't go, but you supported. You didn't work hard, but they worked hard. They're going to be ward, rewarded by God according to the work they put in. Some of you have spent years and years preaching to your parents. Like I spent a lot of years preaching to my dad. And for those of you that know me, I've mentioned this before. My dad shook his finger in my face and said, do not, I don't want to hear about Jesus ever again. I shut up for 18 years. I quit watering it. Because God told me, he says, you know what? I don't need you. I have servants all over the face of the earth. My dad would go up to Nags Head, North Carolina, fishing. And he'd come home and say, I met a friend of yours. I said, I don't have any friends in Nags Head. He said, yeah, some Baptist minister from Minnesota. Everywhere he went, he was running into pastors and believers. And after 18 years, he finally said, he finally got interested in God. He says, you know, I used to think I'm a good guy, but I look back at my life and I wasn't so good after all. And I knew he was ready. And I start preaching. And Dad got saved very quickly. And he's in heaven now for like 20-some years. But I'm just telling you, I, I thought it was all about me. I had to do it. I had to do it. No, no. God has servants all over the earth. Well, who's going to get the world grace, grace reward? The person that witnessed to them for time? Or the one who just occasionally dropped by, led them to the Lord, and went on their way? The person that planted the, the seed and, and watered it and kept on watering it, he's going to receive a word, reward. And God's going to, you know God's rewards are going to be just, right? You're going to get what you deserve because you worked for years and years and years. Each one received his own reward. All of us will receive a reward individually. Rewards will be given according to your labor. Whether you planted or whether you sowed or whether you re watered for years. And the rewards are individual. We are working together. That's why churches support missionaries. We're working together. The church I'm from, though I was discipled in, 30-some percent, 33 percent of the money taken in on a Sunday was given to missions. Every year we had a missions conference, two, two times a year, and I was the missionary elder, and I would organize that conf uh, uh, missionaries to come in. It could be from Africa, Indonesia, you name it. And, and I used to love their stories, just like you love the stories, not stories, the truths you have heard today from the missionaries that spoke here just shortly. I used to love it. My kids used to sit on their lap and just take it all in. The rewards are given individually. But here's my key line, and I'm going to have to continue next week. What? Well, let me say this. We're not home yet, whether you're a missionary or whether you did all this work, you know, in your lifetime, trying to win people to Christ, planning and watering all your life. 
You know, sometimes we wonder, where's my reward? Am I going to get a reward for that? Or did I do it out of selfishness for self-motivation or for, for people to know me? Or did you do it for God? When we went to Brazil with Brett, that, that was our goal. So they ain't going to remember our name. But what we do want them to remember when we leave is the name of Jesus. There's a lot of things that happened in Brazil when Matt and I were there, along with Brett and Nona, you know, and, and Suzanne. Um, a lot of things happened. And it was good. It was good things. But we aren't going to get any reward till you get to heaven. So for you missionaries today, and for those of you who've been planting seeds, you know, whether you're here or on the line, you know, don't get discouraged because you're not home yet. You're not home yet. God has your reward for you at heaven, and you will be shocked. You know the verse in 1 Corinthians 2.9, I believe it is, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men all that God has prepared for those who love him. You know what? You might get mad at me with this, or you might want to kiss me. Don't be surprised if your puppy dog's up in heaven waiting for you. Don't be surprised. Because the ox knows its master, the donkey knows its master's trough, but my people don't know me, says God. In Isaiah 1, 3. Them animals are smarter than men. If you're denying God, your dog is smarter than you. Because they know God. I'm convinced of it. Because ox does. I assume a dog does. You're not home yet. Let me read you this thing. It's kind of like reading. There was this old missionary couple returning from Africa. Headed to New York. They've been in the field for over 40 years. They just happened to be on the same ship that left Africa that President Teddy Roosevelt was on from a hunting trip in Africa. They're on the same boat. There was a big fanfare when Teddy Roosevelt left Africa and got on the boat. Here's this missionary couple. After 40 years, they had no pension. Their health was poor. They were discouraged and defeated and afraid. No one paid attention to them as they got onto that boat, as they watched all the fanfare for President Theodore Roosevelt, because they were just trying to get a glimpse of the President of the United States. Meanwhile, there's a greater group of people there than President Teddy Roosevelt. The ship crossed the Atlantic Ocean, and the old missionary was just getting upset and more upset, even angry. He said to his wife, something's wrong. We've given our lives and faithful service to God in Africa all these 40-plus years, and no one cares about us. And here comes the president home from a hunting trip, and all makes such a big fuss over him. Nobody gives a hoot about us. My wife says, dear, don't think like that. I can't help it, he says. It just doesn't seem right. When the ship docked in New York, there was a band, dignitaries from all over the United States, reporters, cameras to greet the president. No one even noticed the missionaries. They slipped off the ship and found a cheap apartment on the east side of New York. The next day, hoping to find work, the old man's spirit broke. 
He said to his wife, I can't take this any longer. I don't understand. Why is the Lord treating us so unfairly? To which the wife replies, Why don't you go to the bedroom, get on your knees, and ask God? A short time later, the old missionary comes out from the bedroom, his face now glowing in a different countenance. His wife said, Honey, what did God say? What did God say? I told the Lord, honey, how bitter I was. He settled it with me. Why the president should experience such a tremendous homecoming when no one met us when we returned. And when I finished, it was this I felt the Lord's hand on my shoulder, and he said this, but you're not home yet. You're not home yet, church. Missionaries, you guys are young. What are you, in your 30s, 20s? Listen, you might be a day 40 years from now. You might be thinking like this. You've got to remember, you're not home yet. And for those of you that planted in this world and life seems to have dragged you all down, remember, you're not home yet. There's a great reward waiting for these people, the saints of God that ministered to people, led them to the Lord, watered seeds, prayed for them, and help them out in whichever way they can. You can never, ever forget that because you're not home yet. I got a good another 45 minutes to this message, but I ain't going any further. And I'll tell you what, when I read that, I broke down. I was like groaning with, with I always say groaning is a, is a form of tongue, a different tongue. I was groaning. I, I, I couldn't even see. My tears were just flowing down my eyes. When I read it yesterday right here from this pulpit after the men's group, I'm, and again, tears were flowing down my eyes. Right now, they're not, because I know that God's speaking to these missionaries here, Brett and I forget your name. Brian? Brian. Brian. Ryan. Ryan. And your friend? Sean. John. Charles. Who? Charles. Charles. Okay. Good. I can't hear you too. I might. Yeah, okay. Never mind. <laughs> but no, you got to remember this. All of us got to remember this because sometimes we wonder. You wonder why you're walking through the valley in the shadow of death. You know why? You're not home yet. But in the valley, there's streams, there's trouts, there's fish, there's fruit trees. There's grain, but there's also predators. But if you were on the mountaintop, there's nothing up there but snow half the time. So it's best to be in the valley. So just remember, God's with you, and he has a reward waiting for those of you when you get to the kingdom of heaven. But don't be like the Corinthians and be shallow, carnal, and operate as in the flesh. So let's uh, pray and we'll go home. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, Lord. To you be the glory for it. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would would um, speak to each of us as we go from this place, Lord, that, that, um, that we would become a better person, Lord, applying our what we learn to our lives. And we, those people that are out there, 
that are carnal or still carnal Christians, Father, I pray that you give them the courage, the strength, the wisdom, and the knowledge to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. God bless you, church, and I love you all very much.